Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on December the 3rd, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, he's the likable and the lovable. And I'm the caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played. We're going to be going over our November game club, which is Celestial Command. We're going to be talking about the next game club for December, My Time at Portia. Electronic Arts is to create an in-game tutorial assistant. We will have our weekly community corner and a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello. Hello. Shrink. How are you? <laughs> I don't, I, I never go by shrink anymore anywhere <laughs> ever, but that was a thing many yeah. years ago now when this all first started. I was shrink and or, you were rage or shrinky dinky. Yeah. And Shrinky Winky. And Shrinky Pinky. Yeah, was there a Tinky thrown in there somewhere? Uh, Only if you made the water around you yellow. Sweet. Very interesting, though, now that you mention that, that I think about it. Like, when all this first started, I was just starting out as a counselor, as a therapist. Like, I was wrapping up my master's program. I just started seeing clients. And now I'm a full-blown professional shrink. I'm I'm now more the shrink than I was then. Yet I don't go by that. Time is weird. Time is weird. But we are in the weird timeline, so yeah, all right. Very true. Very true. Yay, politics. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit as part of our bullshit recording that we're doing tomorrow night. What uh Trump getting tricked by toddler level reverse psychology. God, I laughed. I saw that at work. I was up waiting on a client. Uh, so I was standing up in the front office and I just started giggling. And uh, both of the front desk ladies turn around and they look at me and they're like, what do you think is so funny? I was like, how much do you guys want to talk about politics? And they're like, we don't. I was like, okay. Well, this political thing is funny. And they were like, <laughs> okay. And I went back to giggling to myself like, tee I, it kind of makes me happy for just a second, and then I go, oh, right. He has the he football. He fell for it. It's like, he fell for it. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, he fell for it. Shit. So, yay. Yeah, but hey, look at it this way. At least your feed isn't talking about how uh, the uh, French sur- uh, surrender monkeys are... Uh, disrespectful to El Presidente. <laughs> Which feed? My Facebook feed? Yeah, Facebook. Maybe it is. I don't know. I never go on Facebook. Aside to, from just to use Messenger. Yeah, I went on there to use Messenger earlier, and uh, I, I saw between that and that, it, it's the same. It's this one guy. I should just block him or just unfriend him, but. Uh, it's the husband of a girl I grew up with, and he uh, he's so dense, he causes time and space to def- to deflect around him, all right? He, he, That's very dense. Uh, he, he is 
almost uh, a knowledge black hole. He was uh, yelling about climate change not being real earlier. And uh, and also talking about how the French was disrespecting us and we should go back to freedom fries again. Oh, fucking idiot. Looking at my, uh, my newsfeed, it's all very sad. Uh, nothing to do about politics, but it does have to do with a lot of people's tragedies. Uh, let's see. This person's sad about their dead cat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this person's sad about their divorce. This person is sad about their dead dad. Uh, oh, well, well mine this- is either Trump, uh, climate, uh, or, or I should say just anti-science bullshit, or Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, it's always the white help, Jesus help as well. Me Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh, here's someone bitching about Disney Plus. But it's not sadness. Oh, he is back to sadness. This person's sad because they lost their job. Mm-hmm. This person's sad because she has cancer. Not that these sad things aren't legitimate. But it's just, it's full of sadness. One of the many reasons I don't go to Facebook. It makes me sad. Although this time it's because of the people, not because of Facebook itself. Ooh, here's someone with a really cute Christmas village. I can get behind that. But it's also sad. Right? Why is it sad? A Christmas village? Uh, Because uh, they put it out in October. Uh, it's out, it's from today? I suppose they probably put it up after Thanksgiving, which is when we did our Christmas decorating. It was the day after Thanksgiving. Which is a nice change of pace. Yep. Yeah, I had neighbors that was putting up stuff just after Halloween. Yeah, every year after Thanksgiving, we, uh, the day after is when we do the majority of our Christmas decorating. Like we, we do a live tree every year. So we go get the tree, we decorate it. We change out the fall stuff to the winter and Christmas stuff. So Katie is, is very anti Christmas at October, which makes me happy. I don't, although honestly, I don't really like decorating for Christmas either. That's mostly because I'm lazy, but I don't, I don't like to do it. I was very happy. It only took us about three and a half hours to do the bulk of our decorating this year. I'm like, yeah, not an all day thing. Well, it looks like I may be having to yell at UPS because uh, I had a package not show up today. And now they're saying they're holding it at the uh, handling center. Uh Uh-huh. That's a new one. Never had to do that before. But they fucking broke something in it. So is this enough talking about Christmas decorations and weird stuff and ready to go talk about some games? I guess so. Enough uh, random shit. Let's go talk about some other random shit. Yeah, but some other random shit that's video games. Rage, tell me about uh, one of the games you played this week. Well, I'm not sure if I could call it a game, but more of a frustration simulator. I played Pandemic, the board game. This was uh, my random Game Pass game for the week, because why not at this point? 
uh, was poking around Game Pass and saw this was on there. And I remember, yeah, you know, I kind of liked Pandemic playing with the the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, the couple times that we uh, got to play. Uh, I wonder how they handle it as a proper video game. Poorly. They handle it poorly. That's the answer to that question. Uh, it's obviously a direct console port. So there's a lot of things that are needlessly obtuse to begin with. Just because of the change of interface. I mean, if you were playing with a, uh, with a controller, that would be fine and all. But everything is overly large. Everything requires like two or three extra clicks because... They expect you to you know, be using a controller with like shoulder buttons and and the like. Like a, a good example is whenever you're playing a card, uh, like an event card. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only one is active at a time. So in order to swap to the event card that you want, you have to click arrows instead of just clicking the uh, the card that you want to activate it. Yeah, things like that. Or the fact that whatever you're traveling, if there's multiple paths to get there, uh, you they don't actually cover how to handle that. And I only figured it out after just messing with it long enough to figure out, oh, these very, very tiny buttons under the city, that's how you control how to get there or what route to take. Because there's times that you may want to do a different route than... But anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, Pandemic, for those who don't know, I should have gone over this first, is uh, based on a board game by the same name, Pandemic, where you are a group of CDC agents trying to control four diseases that's uh, broken out into epidemics, and you're trying to essentially prevent the world from ending. And there's different roles that you can play. There's... uh, uh, the specialist that uh, I believe that's the one that uh, only needs four cure cards in order to uh, complete it. There's others that allow you to move other characters, yada, yada. There's with the free add-ons that you can just download on Game Pass. There's, I think, nine different uh, roles that you can play mm-hmm. with... Uh, Various combinations being far more powerful than others. Uh, there's one that uh, I never saw on uh, the uh, the tabletop simulator version that you collect disease cubes to uh, essentially hold onto your bank. And then you use those in place of an additional card in order to uh, cure the disease instead of just needing four cards. You have to go collect samples, which was kind of neat. That's interesting. I like that. But also, it's taking cubes off the cities as well, which, for those who don't know, the uh, cities can uh, essentially cascade. Once diseases start to spread, your uh, disease counters start building up on cities. Once they hit three, if a, if a fourth disease goes onto that city, it starts, it spreads to all the other connected cities, and the cities are connected via, like, this travel web. So the minimum connections, I think, is three cities, with some of the more connected cities being five to seven. So it's a, an additional way to control the disease, but also be able to cure a little bit faster. But 
it just presents all the info in a very obtuse way. A, a good example of this is I actually had a pandemic breakout in South America. The reason for this was I did not realize that one of the South American cities was getting hit hard because the city was hidden behind the cards on the screen. So I didn't see, you know, oh, that city has three uh, counters on it. I need to get down there. No, uh, it, it was hidden. I'm sure that there's a way to hide the cards or hide the UI. The tutorial doesn't cover it. The tutorial covers the incredibly basic rules of the game, and that's about it. But it doesn't go into any of the nuance of the game or, you know, really any of the mechanics unique to the game version, such as, you know, having to click a very particular arrow to be able to change your route. Uh, it doesn't cover what some of the specialists do. It just, you know, leaves you with a very basic overarching. It feels like it's preparing you for the board game version. But it needs like another level tutorial on top of it. Plus, it's a little bit annoying because every turn after you uh, click off, uh, you it's there's no AI at all. So if you're playing by yourself, you're controlling all the characters. I think that there's an online play, but honestly, there's nobody playing it, so I didn't even really bother with it. So. You're having to control, you hand off essentially to yourself, but in between every single one, it gives you a random tip that you have to also click off. So it's click in turn, then move up, click this, then it uh, starts to load your next turn. And I just found it incredibly tedious. I, I think that's uh, kind of the, uh, the point of the game uh, or the, my thoughts on the game is just, it takes the board game and it makes it tedious. It's not fun. It just feels so damn clunky. Everything does. There was one time I accidentally used a card that I was about to use for a cure because it didn't register that I tried to change the travel route. So it used that card anyway. So I had to undo and replay essentially my entire turn. Thankfully, it did give me an undo, but it's just, there's just so many niggling things here that I would say, go play tabletop version of it. You'll have a lot more fun. You can make up house rules. You, yeah. You, and you can actually find people that will play it. Yeah, this sounds like it fails at one of the things I like the most about electronic versions of or video game versions of board games is that, that they can teach me how to play if I don't know anybody who knows how to play a board game. And then I can get the actual board game. But this sounds like it doesn't teach you how to play. It's just tedious it, and boring. It teaches you the very basic rules, but it doesn't teach you anything about the strategy or how to actually handle things. If I had no idea how to play Pandemic at all, I would have been so screwed. Because it was it was essentially how to move, how to play cards, and what the overarching goal was, but that was it. It gave really no useful hints. It, didn't tell you that you could actually use the cards to fly to a direct city or that the CDCs could be connected uh, or you know, uses travel hubs. Didn't cover any of that. Like I said, it felt like there was mis- a t- it was missing a tutorial at least one, if not two. Mm-hmm. So, 
Are you saying overall do not recommend? Yeah, uh, recommend like uh, I recommend it like uh, the Black Death. Avoid like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you play the actual pandemic. Yeah, because that's good. Yeah, go play the tabletop version. You'll have more fun with it. It's more tedious to set up and get going, which is one of the benefits of a video game version of a board game is that it can be a lot faster. But they just handled this so clunkily. I mean, even with a controller, it would feel clunky, I think. Yeah. I used to like the uh, Ticket to Ride uh, board game that was on Xbox. Mm -hmm. I know there's one on Steam, uh, but I don't know how well it plays. I think that one actually plays somewhat well. So, that's the one game that you have that we don't share. Yep. I have two games that we don't share. These will go pretty fast. The first is Killing Time at Lightspeed. I really like this game a lot. It is one of those experiential types of games where that talking about it is liable to ruin the experience. So if you don't want to have any potential for any kind of spoilers, this is a full-blown two-thumbs-up recommend for me. I got it during the last Steam sale for like 90% off. Like it was a dollar, something like a dollar. Um, it's wor- It's uh, definitely worth that. It's 10 bucks full retail on Steam. Um, it's hard to say with these experiential type of games, what your sort of what you value and what type of price, you know, you're willing to pay. Um, I do believe that there's some replay value here if you really want to go through and try out some of the different, uh, or make some, some different, uh, decisions or responses to people. Um, I don't know if it's worth $10. I don't think I would have been as happy if I'd paid $10 for this, but I do think this is a very fair $5 game. I played it for about three hours, between two and three hours, um, and that was just one playthrough, so... I'm going to be very, very spoiler light, like try not to spoil anything at all. But if you don't want any spoilers, uh, skip ahead uh, until I'm not talking about it anymore. Okay, fast forwarding. Yay. No, so in Killing Time at Lightspeed, this is an experimental type game. It is set in the somewhat near future, uh, like the mid-21st century. And you are uh, the, the character that you play is leaving Earth, headed to an outer colony, and you are going at relativistic speeds, so near the speed of light. So, uh, time progresses for you at a different rate than it does the people on left on Earth. And you're using this social media site. Um, it's just random. I don't think it's supposed to be specifically analogous to like Facebook or something. Although there are some parallels that you can see there. Um, but anyways, the, the way that you're able terrible? to keep that- Yeah, a lot of them are. Um, But the only way that you are able to keep in touch with people is via this social media site. And every time you refresh the page to see what's updated, a number of months or years will have passed based on how fast you're going at the time. And it's kind of neat the way that it does that because it's like at the beginning, uh, while you're traveling more slowly, only, you know, a few weeks or a couple of months passes in the in the middle of the game when you're obviously going closest to the speed of light before you start slowing down when you refresh it, it's a year or more. And then at the end of the game, um, 
the the time gap starts to shrink as you're slowing down. I thought that was a neat little trick. I don't know how many people are going to catch that. I also haven't tried to calculate how fast specifically you're going uh, based on you know the the differences in the time skips or whatever. So I don't I don't know if they got that right. Um, honestly, it doesn't matter. I just thought that was a cute touch. Um, but there are a series of events that take place on Earth that you only, like I said, only have access to via this social media, um, interface. And then you have an ability to look at some news articles, um, so that you can be a little bit more informed about what your friends are, are talking about on your feed. Um, you can do things like like, uh, well, it's called commend, but it's basically liking someone's post. And then some posts you can respond to, and it's just pre-canned responses. But uh, based on what you say, you'll get a different response back whenever you refresh the page. Um, or potentially no response at all. Uh, it depends on what you say and who you're talking to. So there's there's a variety of characters that you will pretty quickly pick out, I think. Um, I, I found them to be uh, quite in-depth, despite the fact that um, you just barely interact with them at all. They did a good job of putting a lot of personality in to uh, these little snippets of, of characters' lives. Um, it really felt like by the end of the game, once I had kind of figured out the various characters, like it felt like, okay, yeah, these feel like people who are actually posting things on social media. And you've got some people who are, you know, uh, they post a lot more. Some people are kind of vague. Some person or one person's like really artsy. Um, and it's just interesting to view these events through their eyes. And it, it's all sci-fi stuff. The events that happen, they're all completely 100% sci-fi at this point. I suppose the technology could exist to make them happen one day. But this is impossible. What happens in the game is impossible with our current level. At least of with that attitude. So, indeed. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, I can't really say any more than that, uh, without starting to spoil things. So, uh, one more thing I will say. My final response to the game, it made me sad. Um, and I'm not 100% sure I had fun with it, but I enjoyed it. You know, that whole argument about, like, are video games art or not? What does art mean? Like, this was definitely an experience that made me feel some things, and that was done in, in such a way that uh, it made me reflect on the character of, of humanity, which sounds really big and grandiose. The game is definitely trying to tackle some some big topics uh, with its its subject material. But it definitely made me feel. It made me feel sad uh, the way that it ended. But that's not a bad thing. It was really good. That's kind of the reason I don't want to want to go back and play it again. There is replayability there. Like I said, you know, you can choose to respond differently to people. I don't know how much that can out influence events that happen in the story. But, um, you know, the characters that I had, I had gotten over the, you know, the course of the two and a half hours that I played the game, I had gotten to know them and uh, I liked them that way. I don't want to go back and sort of game it to me. That takes away from the experience that I had. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Fully recommend it. Um, you know, pick a price point that's right for you. I feel like it's definitely worth five bucks. I don't know if I would have liked it as much if I'd pay 10 for it. But if you like the sound of this, like the idea of this type of game or a, you know, games as art um, experience type thing, maybe it is worth that much to you. But it's certainly not bad. I enjoyed it quite a lot. 
The other game I played was called Simple Railroad. I'm sure you can guess why I bought this game. Uh, I got it on the Steam sale for like, I don't know, 50 cents. It's normally, or no, did I get this from Keymailer? I either bought this on the Steam sale for like nothing, um, or I got a, uh, a review copy of it. Looks like the historical lowest price is four bucks. I definitely did not play four bucks for this, so I must have got a review key from Keymailer. Uh, this game is hot garbage. Um, it looks like a, a student's, maybe not their first gaming project, but a relatively early gaming project. Um, it's just bad. Uh, it doesn't look good. It's janky as hell. Um, it doesn't have systems that really make a lot of sense. And then it's made by someone who's not a natural English speaker, because in sort of the, um, visual novel-esque styled cutscenes, it's a lot of English, uh, you know, senses that don't make sense, or words are conjugated improperly, or it's just, it's not good. So, apparently there's like a whole side to the game, like a a more management side that I didn't get to, because I didn't get far enough, um, based on like looking at some other people talk about the game. But it's it's just garbage. Uh, it's what what I played of it is sort of like a puzzle game. Um, you're given a map, uh, some very basic tools to create uh, tracks, and then you have to get trains of the appropriate color to the matching station color. And that sounds simple enough, but the UI is garbage. Um, you would think for this type of thing, it's like okay, I'm gonna click on the piece that I want to build. And I'm going to click where I want to build it in sort of like a grid-esque system based on how it looks and is laid out. But you would be wrong. You have to click and drag. Um, and it it feels like a mobile game in the sense of like whenever you drag the piece, where the piece is actually sitting isn't where it goes. But it's where your mouse cursor winds up, which sometimes can be quite a ways away from the piece. Uh, if it, it's It's almost like mouse acceleration. Like, you know, how, when, how mass acceleration works, but the piece will move faster or slower than your mouse cursor. And so it won't wind up where you want to put it, and then you'll get kind of confused, and you'll, you'll waste money and time building tracks in the wrong place. There's no pause. Um, well, there's a pause. You can pause the game, but you can't actually pause and then build track and then unpause. You can slow down time, but you can't pause it. So if you fuck something up and you've got trains going to the wrong station, well, you're about to be penalized or have a crash. Uh, the system for doing things like stopping trains on tracks, if you want to have bi-directional tracks or for changing them over to different tracks is really screwy and doesn't always work. And then sometimes it'll, and I don't know if it's like the scenery or the background or if it's just like a weird like color scheming thing, but sometimes you will have a track that's changed to go the wrong direction at a switch and you won't notice. So your train will either go the wrong direction or if the, uh, if the track that it's on can't connect via the switch, um, maybe like the, you, you have unfinished tracks or, uh, for some reason it's like trying to turn left, but that it can't because the track is blocked. The train just kind of bounces off and then starts going backwards 
So if you accidentally miss a switch, you can cause a, a huge crash because the train will bounce backwards and crash into something else, which will cause kind of a train re chain reaction if you've got multiple trains on. The mechanics for it are just totally borked. It's not fun. My kid was even like, Daddy, I don't... This isn't a very good train game. I don't like it. Well, Cause I, we've played... I, I did notice there's an error on the uh, store page. What? Where? The release date. I'm pretty sure they meant to say uh, 1999, not uh, 2019. Because of how bad it looks? Yeah. I mean, this this looks like... No, no say late 90s is uh, being... Yeah, you know, con to it. I mean, damn, right? Yeah, yeah. But that, like, part of the story, like at the beginning, is there you're some like rich kid who wants a special train, and your cousin or your uncle finds it for you, but it's busted up, and you have to fix it. And then once you fix it, like you start your own railroad, and then you actually the money you collect during the levels and stuff actually matters, but. I didn't I didn't get that far. I got to chapter two, I believe. And then you were wishing for death. I was. We played it for not even a half an hour before both me and my kid were like, This is terrible. Let's play a different game. And I'm and I'm not just dragging on the graphics, it's more the overall design it sounds like it's a you know a mid to late nineties uh, computer game. Yeah, I would probably love this if I played it in 1993. But uh, I didn't. I played it in 2019. And it is a garbage dumpster fire. Yeah, I played it in the current year. <laughs> and it's garbage. So Simple Railroad. Avoid. Hardcore avoid. Do not recommend. Not worth it at any price. Even free. So since we Which, both have had bad games, how about a good game? Indeed. Uh, you and I both played We Were Here too. So this is kind of like a double game club. Double uh, claim club. What does it mean? <laughs> double rainbow. Um, but yeah, we played that this Sunday. Uh, much like the original We Were Here, took us about two, two hours. Two hours is a change. I would say closer to like two and a half. Yeah. I had some kind of weird issue. Where that when I started the game, it would freak out acting like I had multiple input devices plugged in. Um, but I didn't. I had my HOTAS unplugged and my Xbox controller turned off. But I turned on my Xbox controller and then turned it back off and that fixed it. So it was fine. It didn't act up again for the rest of the time that we played. Yeah, for... Uh Anyone that's never played this, I would suggest going and checking out We Were Here. Uh, it's essentially this, uh, I would say just a free prequel, not even a tech demo, because they're both the, essentially the same length of game. But yeah. it's a, a cooperative puzzle, a first person puzzler, where you have to work together through the power of communication. Uh, each player, for, I would say, 90, 95% of the game is either partially or completely separated from the other player. And you have to relay information back and forth to be able to get through the puzzles. 
usually some sort of visual puzzle as well. So having to describe runes or having to give directions to a player that is in an odd situation that they can't really tell what they're doing. Yeah. For example, there is a maze puzzle, and uh, in that puzzle you were telling me where to go in the maze because I couldn't see. Yeah. And I had to get to specific like spots that were lit up. Yeah, you were uh, within the labyrinth the puzzle. Uh, and couldn't really tell where you were going, so I had to uh, direct you. And yeah, once I figured out that I could disembody myself and you know, get a better view of the maze, because there was a couple times that there were some more obtuse things than in the first one. Uh, that was one where it was, you know, it wasn't clear that I could just, you know, kind of somehow look down upon the entire maze because originally I was trying to direct you without doing that. And it was the, the platform was too low. Uh, but also there was one puzzle where we just did not get it, which I think if we worked yeah. out longer, a bit longer, we would have had that aha moment. But I didn't realize what was going on on your side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had, like, I probably through the power of just describing things, we would eventually gotten, because the symbol changed every time I died. So eventually mm-hmm. we would have gotten one that we could more accurately or quickly describe to one another. And then be like, oh, this is how it works. Yeah, there's usually uh, either there's no time limit or there's a, very strict time limit where uh, you're about to die or the, or the puzzle just resets. And yeah. uh, and in the first game, it was one person essentially in this library uh, that had, I think it was two rooms with a balcony that the information that you need to get through the puzzle was in that room somewhere. And it was their job to go find it and then relay it. And the person that was running around on top of just actually putting in the puzzle, it was describing the puzzle long enough, or well enough to be able to say, okay, this is the information I have. This is what I need and be able to figure out exactly what you need in the library. This time it was a lot more back and forth. There were a couple of times that I had to do uh, something. I was essentially in the library role again. Uh, it was uh, Lord and Peasant. And we had no idea you know, what that role means. So essentially I was just clicking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until you locked in just to make it as random as possible to make it fair. Right. Yeah. And I got peasant and you got Lord. Yep. So, so essentially I was in the same role once again of uh explainer, but it wasn't as static as it was before. I was progressing through rooms as well. And there was a couple of times where, the roles reversed and you were giving information to me to be able to do something like there was the castle where you were uh, explaining the directions I had to take to be able to, uh, t- uh, essentially storm the castle. Yeah. That one was, was fun. Although it was, like, <laughs> that one was very monotone. It's like forward, forward, right, forward, left. The, the last two at the end, I had to use the rocks to space out the knights correctly. In my head, I just kept seeing Pokemon. Because of all of like the caves that you go to with ice or whatever. Uh-huh. It's like you got to bounce around the, the, the rocks. Pokemans. The right o- yeah, the Pokemans. I, uh, I saw the Pokemans in that. Yeah, for um, me, I, uh, you know, it was very, you know, 
I had no idea what the hell was going on. So I was just going uh, through your direction. But it was also a case of where we uh, communicate very well. Once I figured out, like, the maze, we got through that pretty damn quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I both, we've been friends for a long time. Um, we both, I think, are fairly good communicators. And so once one of us, fig- like, <sighs> once we crack the puzzle, it's like, oh, okay, got it. This, that, whatever, solve it, done. Yeah, I mean, even the one that the, we were having trouble with, I, even after you look at the walkthrough, you couldn't figure it out, and I pretty much had it. Yeah. I just, I was really confused. And a lot of people were saying on the walkthrough, like, that was the hardest puzzle that they'd spent the most time trying to figure out. So I didn't feel, you know, bad or dumb or whatever. I just was like, I mean, did, if we're going to do this click. tonight, before, I, yeah, it just didn't click with me. But... All the rest of the puzzles clicked. Um, there was the one with the stained glass that, yeah. uh, that one took us a minute because it was a lot of describing. And there were a couple of things like what it was with that last one to solve it was there were two pieces that looked almost identical and just the designs were different on the trees. Yeah. But they had the same number of trees and everything. So I just had to swap those out and get that one. <clears throat> it took us a minute on the first one as well. But once we, because that was one of the ones where that I kind of had the thing and was telling you to yeah all oh, the the blocks yeah yeah and it was uh, oh the yeah the tower with the blocks <laughs> Jesus yeah I died uh, yeah, the, I died a lot of times yeah well it took us a bit to figure out what was going on because it wasn't apparent what was going on because you were seeing a cross and I had a bunch of blocks and then I think it clicked for me that oh that's the disassembled box yeah. So I'll, and then once you said that, I could see it too, and we just had to figure out the right way to communicate which side was which. Yeah, because it was one of three or four symbols uh, on each side with a compass rose, so we were happy to figure out, okay, well, what's on the opposite side of the compass rose, and then figure out if this block is right, because it was a time puzzle, and you had, what was it, lava fo- following you? Yeah, so what the puzzle was, dear listener, is that there was a tower that I was going up, a spiral staircase, and the stairs were slowly retracting into the wall, and below was a lava pit. Um, and if you, it, well, if Rage went to put the wrong box, however that choosing process worked, it would re- retract a huge chunk of the floor at once. Yeah, for- And you could have- Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if, if you were quick, you could have two misses um, per sort of puzzle to solve. Um, but also, if you get one but, early, you could uh, have a little bit more time, right? Yeah. Yeah, because the stairs didn't recede any faster unless you, you screwed up the... Or unless you picked wrong. Okay, for me, I was in this giant cathedral and a random door would open. And I would go in there. It was a random one of like four. Uh, I would go in there and there would be a bunch of blocks that were on uh, pedestals. Uh, and when I go in there, all the blocks were blocked off. And then I picked it up and I was able to freely rotate it to look at it. And I had to put it on this one pedestal. And if I messed up, all the blocks would reset, but it would also uh, permit me, prevent me from picking them up for you know a few seconds on top of it. I'm assuming that's also during the time that uh, the large chunk of the floor is being pulled away. 
Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I had to uh, yeah, figure out, okay, compass rows, what's opposite of it, and then ask you, like, well, what's the top and bottom? Because there was a couple times that, you know, I thought I had the right one based on the three, but there was some blocks that the only difference was, like, the top or bottom icon. You know, it'd be like a square instead of a triangle, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, that's why that one took, actually, I think that's the one that took us the longest without just looking up uh, how to solve it, like the that one. Yeah, I think so. That one took us the longest amount of time to get our sort of communication skills down. The castle one took a long time, but that's just because there was a lot to do. We didn't really struggle with it. It just took us a while. Um, but pretty quickly we figured out like, oh, I've got these and I have to match them to the ones that you've got and you have to describe it to me and I have to find what I need. So, oh, there was the one where we had to fix the armor sets. Yeah. That one was a little involved for me because it's, <laughs> I think that all you had was to just go check them. Yeah. I but ha- there was like a receding yeah, wall. Yeah. I had a receding wall that was essentially, it was a rectangular wall with, uh, four armor sets there with uh, a coat of arms above each one. Uh, there were two essentially right inside the door uh, where the uh, receding wall was uh, slowly progressing forward. And there was two on the far end. That's why I focused on the ones on those two first is that it had the shortest amount of time before I had to have you reset the wall because you had, yeah, you had and- a wheel that you could spin in there to pull the wall back. Yeah, and my room was fucking huge. I had to, like, and I had to go run and look for the, uh, either appropriate weapon or shield for the armor and go stick it on and then run back over and spin the wheel back around so the, the wall would open back up. That was a, a hassle to, to get through. And yeah, I had and lava pits that I could fall into if I wasn't careful. Oh, of course you had lava. A lot of pits. lava in this one. <laughs> a lot of lava. I fell in the lava a, a, a lot of times. In fire. Yeah. Love and fire, fire there at the end. These big jets of fire mm-hmm. shooting out from a rising platform underneath the cage I was stuck in. Yeah, but overall it was fun. Uh, downsides outside of that one puzzle was the intro and outro uh, uh, movies. They must have been like rendered at like uh, what two eighty p or something, and then blown up to ten eighty. There, there yeah, was, was artifacting terrible. all to hell. I mean, maybe it was some sort of art style that they were going for, but it was just horrendous looking. Yeah. And there were... And I mean... It, well, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it could be some kind of weird glitch, but we both experienced it, which makes me think that it had to do with either their encoding or what they rendered the videos at. Or, or maybe some kind of weird issue with the file itself that just gets propagated out to everyone. Or it just doesn't like AMD uh, video cards. Well, that's true. We both have AMD video cards. That could be a possibility. Uh, but also, um, there are multiple endings, but we got the bad ending because uh, in order to get the good ending, you have to find uh, each person has to find, I think, what was it, six or five or six uh, levers? And, and yes, throw them at I think it said there were and, 12 and, total. And in this game, throwing things at random that you don't know what's connected to is a bad idea. Yeah. So that feels uh, you know, a little convoluted, honestly. But that might just be me. Yeah, I think so. But that's the kind of secrets that's there to, that's sort of counterintuitive. 
Um, and all the levers, thinking back on it, all the levers look the same that are the secret levers, as far yeah. as I could, could tell. Yeah, I think um, I threw a few of them uh, not thinking about it. Yeah. Well, that lever that I threw every time that I thought started the puzzle uh-huh. for the tower, I'm pretty sure was a secret level lever. Yeah. I don't think it actually started the tower. Because the, the floor didn't start receding once I flipped the the lever. It started receding once I got on the staircase. Yeah, so that was likely a secret. Yeah. And I mean, there were a couple others that I found, but, you know, there were some that I didn't pull because I didn't know what they did. But there was one in the stained glass room that I found. And I was like, I'm not going to pull that because I don't know what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there were, I think I pulled two or three out of the five or six. And I know at least one had a story, a, a bit of a book, because I read it to you, remember? Yeah, that, that, that was sitting all next the to ones. It. Not all the ones. A couple of the ones that I found did. Mm-hmm. So, think about this one compared to the first one. Um, I think it's more I, poor, I more polished overall. Yeah, I think that this is a better one. So, I tried to play the first one with Katie, and I did the librarian portion because I had done the other one when we played, the me and you played. Mm-hmm. And that was a real struggle uh, in a couple of places. Like, the chess... Uh, court or the 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 chess game that was like the whole courtyard, yeah. That was really hard, and we were stuck there for a long time, and she got frustrated. I don't think there's any puzzle that really fits into that. Maybe the maze, but it's not like you die; just the maze resets, and you have to yeah. start over. Yeah, I would say the maze was um, probably going to would be the biggest uh, uh, sticking point because that's the one that felt like it was the most time constrained. I don't think you ever uh, once we figured out how to communicate it. Uh, there was, uh, it felt like it was tight, but it wasn't, you know, you were stepping on it last second. Yeah. I mean, you were running the entire time, right? Yeah, I was sprinting the whole okay. time. Just making sure. Yeah. But I think it was also one of those that if you took a wrong turn, you know, you were over. And it was a circular maze, so it was being communicated more by rights and lefts than anything else. Yeah, although right there at the end, you're like, right, left, right, you turn. I'm like, yeah, I got it. I got this. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. Uh, it starts off uh, fairly short runs, and then it quickly got to, like, what, 20, 30 second uh, runs in between these uh, platforms that you had to stand on? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, But I think this one compared to the first one, I think this one is the better one to start with if you want to play with someone who's not typically a gamer but enjoys sort of these uh, puzzle experiences or something like that. Um, or maybe someone who does play games but typically they're bad at games. I think the second one is actually a better introduction than the first one. But the first one is free, so it, uh, you know, that's kind of hard. Yeah, and this one does time to the uh, first one and that... It's uh, the same group of adventurers uh, that stumble upon this castle, but you get separated pretty much in the opening sequence. Maybe the batted coating yeah. was supposed to simulate snow. Maybe. Uh, I- I'm joking. But, but it but... happens when you're... Oh, okay. I was going to say, but it happens when you're inside, too, and there's no snow in there. Oh, well, how do you know? This could be a magic castle. 
That's true. I think it is a magic castle. There's some weird shadow demon guy that follows you around in certain places. No, no, that's Bob. <laughs> Bob follows you around in certain places. Uh, but he's not as active in this one. That's the thing. Uh, that- and then he, he, he yells at you at the very end when you're escaping, mm-hmm. but we don't know what he said because it's kind of like all, yeah. but whatever we did, we pissed him off because I heard him say, and it pisses me off. <laughs> Like, I'm like, whoa, calm down there, Bob. Yeah, I kind of want to play the next one, but I'm not sure if I want to pay pu- full price for it. How much is it? Uh, let me go double check. It's We Were Here Together, right? Yeah, it's 13. That's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably wait for it to be on sale. It just came out, right? Yeah. It was only on sale for like 12, 1234. Yeah. Last sale. It came out October of this year. I mean, we'll definitely get it and play it mm-hmm. uh, at some point. Looking at the screenshots, this one's definitely got a different aesthetic that they're showing off. Um, uh, yeah. Well, it looks like it got decorated by Tesla. Yeah. the I was going to say, this one feels sort of steampunkish. The first one felt very Cthulhu? I don't know. That might be too far. The second one was very uh, gothic ve- feeling. Yeah, I would say the first one was... Uh, well, I, I feel like the first one was fairly gothic as well, but horror as well. Yeah, the first one was more horror influence. Maybe that's where I'm, I'm going for Cthulhu. Whereas this one, the second one, wasn't really horror. There wasn't really a lot of that. Aside from a couple of times that the the creepy uh, ghost man shows up, yeah, like uh, right at the end for me uh, with the play, the ghost man was there, uh, kind of haunting me the entire time, and that was rather intense. Yeah, you mean in the you first mean in the one, first one, yeah, yeah, and then in the first one, there's the room with like all the weird, grotesque paintings and like a clock that ticks down quickly and then like a shadow monster that comes if you if you take too long um there's a couple other parts too that just felt very oh the the catacombs there's like the weird little zombie monster thing actually it looks like we were here together is a lot longer than the others oh how much longer Uh, according to this seven hours oh shit well i hope you can save because you can't actually save in the other ones. Uh, well, you could start in different places. I, uh, it essentially has a checkpoint system. So, I would imagine that you could uh, just you know pick up where yep yeah, get to a checkpoint and then continue on. Yeah, that's true. It's not like there's really any inventory you have to get or keep or anything. You could just start wherever. Man, seven hours. Yeah, of yeah. It looks like six. Yeah, it looks like solving. six to eight hours. So I would say that's actually more worthwhile now, because I was going into it assuming two. Yeah. Hmm. Tempting. May pick that up on winter sale. Yeah. See if it's. I mean, even if it's like only a dollar off, that's still a dollar off. Hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar off. <laughs> Touche. 
Darkness has engulfed the once magnificent Castle Rock and its surroundings. Can you discover the truth behind the grim fate of the fallen Citadel and make it out alive? Or will the original inhabitants catch you on your way out? There's the uh, piranha plant monster. Feed me, Seymour. So that's what I hear. Little shop at uh, horse. Yes, sir. All right, uh, Rick Moranis. <laughs> I miss him. He's not dead or yeah, anything. He just stopped acting. Doesn't make me wonder if they've completed the story. If they're going to go on to something else, because they have a nice yeah. little niche going on here, don't they? I mean, yeah, there's another game series that I know that's like this. Well, uh, Portal 2 is kind of like this. Uh, not really. Well, well, I mean, there I is mean some for the gameplay. Portal, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the cooperative uh, element of it. Yeah. That makes sense. Where you're relying back I and got, forth I and have uh, to communicate, even though Portal is a lot more active. Uh, there was also a couple of times I had the game glitch out a little bit where it would uh, have uh, things not load if you, I was looking in the exact uh, right angle, mm-hmm. which is an old... Actually, I believe that's a source bug, so I'm not sure if this game is built on source or what, but yeah. Uh, it looks like they call the Shadow Guy uh, the Jester, not Bob. The Jester. I like Bob better. Yeah. Yeah, we we can name the planet Bob, right? Absolutely. We should. So, I think that does it for our mini game club. And now we can go talk about the maxi game club. Yep. Which might actually be a little more mini because of the game that we have played. The November game club was Celestial Command. In case this is the first time you've ever joined us for a game club, hello. Welcome. We're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rage and I typically play very different games uh, for very different reasons, but for the game club, once a month, we guarantee that we each play the same game at the same time, and then we come together and we talk about it. Um, and yeah, like I said, we played Celestial Command for this month. Uh, Celestial Command is an early access game that has been in early access for a long time. We both uh, got it just passed about- its uh, fifth anniversary, actually. Yeah, we both got it between two and three years ago uh, when it was much, much earlier in its early access cycle. Um, Yeah, which is kind of what weird. Did you think? It, it, when I originally played this, it felt like it was a lot more complete than it actually is now. Uh, it, it, this does not feel like a game that's been in early access for just over five years now. What about to you? Does it feel like it's five years old in its development? No. It feels like five no, months, it does doesn't not. it? I realize small uh, development I team, but... I don't think it's quite that, but it feels like it's probably... It feels to me like it should be probably at the two-year mark of a three-year development cycle. But it's not. It's on year five, and we don't know how long they're going to go with it. Yeah, it, there's um, just so much that's overly clunky and overly bare bones there's so many systems that really go nowhere and it also pushes you in a direction about uh, essentially force uh for a game mode and a uh, progression path that the game just does not feel like it's 
designed for, really. It's just odd. quickly before we we start talking about this. Celestial Command is a uh, resource gathering and uh, ship building uh, game. Yeah, sandbox game. Um, it's a on a two D. Everything is on a two D plane. Um, you know, you've got sort of a top down or an isometric almost view of your ship and what you're doing. And you go around and you gather resources by mining asteroids or completing missions for little NPC space stations uh, to get stuff. You have to have food and air for your crew and then collect and refine or purchase raw materials to build your ship. Um, there are various weapons where you can engage with pirates in one of the game modes and then other modules for research. Uh, you can build your own ships, your own space stations. Um, there are things coming soon with like carriers and fighter and capital ships control and yeah, much larger capital ships. So they're expanding what's going into the game, but currently you can build small, uh, low capacity craft and kind of some, what feels like medium sized ships. Uh, but it gets really difficult to build truly large stuff. Yeah, it, in, it tries to push you into building a space station pretty much from day one. And it just does not give you the stuff to be able to do it. But No, basically you have enough to build like the space station command module and a few pieces that go to it. Well, they tell you to basically go scavenge, but the thing is that you, you, if you do that, you start to run out of fuel very quickly in the uh, atmospheric mode. There's two different modes in this game. Uh, uh, when I originally played this, it only had the orbital mode. And yeah. and that's also probably why it felt a little bit more complete was that it also had the full solar system where you would have to figure out phase angles and every or transfer windows to be able to go to a different planet instead of having these sci-fi warp gates. To, yeah, now there's just single planets with warp gates that it, take you to other planets. Even though the screenshots still show a planetary system, so I'm not sure if they're planning on bringing that back. Because, honestly, I found that a lot more interesting to be able to uh, go to another planet and, you know, kind of uh, try to guesstimate it. And there are some uh, tools that help with uh, orbital mode that does not help in planetary or in atmospheric mode. Atmospheric mode is basically the uh, uh, space is an ocean. And you have to yeah. have constant thrust in order to get anywhere and everything has friction. So, uh, but it also makes it so that you're not orbiting the planet, the planets kind of drop below the 2D plane. So it's kind of like a placeholder. So you're able to just cut across instead of having to orbit the planet. But honestly, I found the orbital mode, I played both uh, for the game club, a lot more interesting and a lot more engaging. But the problem is that there's no NPC ships. And honestly, I found no missions while playing orbital mode. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that was a bug or if there's something specific you have to do to trigger it, but I started a game mode in each, the orbital and the aerodynamic mode, and there's a lot more in aerodynamic mode, but there are missions in the orbital mode. Um, I went to, there were two. I went to two different stations uh, in orbital mode, which 
there were two two that I got. One was, hey, go here and collect a thing and bring it back. And then the other was um, mine or, you know, acquire a certain amount of a specific resource and bring that back. Which I have to say, docking in uh, orbital mode, that's fun. Yeah. It's not it's not quite as fun as docking in KSP. No, no, no. KSP but... is uh, fun without the sarcasm quotes. Because uh, in KSP, I think the problem is just the time scales of things. Because uh, in orbital mode, there's essentially, uh, at least in the were on the on the planet I ended up with, all the stations and everything was in one of two different orbits, and one of the orbits was very low. So, in order to try to dock with anything, you're a sit because the the orientation of the station doesn't change. It's slowly rotating as it orbits. So I'm yeah. having to try to hit a moving target with this oddball placement of uh, this docking uh, uh, port on my ship. Because you're essentially, it's essentially on your uh, ship's ass. So you have to like bump your ass up against the station. Uh, yo, Which I didn't mind bumping and grinding a little. Well, of course, you, you don't. You have no shame. But it's just, it was very awkward. But maybe that's uh, why yeah. you didn't mind it, is that, yo, you're you're used to feeling awkward. Very true. Um, I, too, preferred the orbital mode, but, like you were saying, they stripped out everything from orbital mode, and it's only in aerodynamic mode. So there's NPC ships that are both pirates and... Uh, sort of neutral trading parties that, that I wander think is, around. Uh, that I think the uh, neutral trading parties is actually fueling some of the economy in the in the aerodynamic mode, but I'm not 100% sure. But they also have uh, orbital tools that help you out in orbit. Well, I should say tools that only w- really work in orbital mode, like stabilized orbit, but also uh, some rendezvous stuff that made it. Actually, once I figured out how to handle it, uh, a lot of fun to uh, perform rendezvous and be able to collect like space debris and non. But the problem is that there's jack shit to do otherwise. Yeah, the um, the warp gates are still there in orbital mode, but I didn't actually use them in orbital mode. I use them in, in aerodynamic mode. And I mean, all they do is take you to another randomly generated planetary system. You get a map, but you have to sort of explore and connect the different nodes together so it's not like you can go anywhere. It's possible that there are still these planetary systems. I don't know. Um, and I don't know how many uh, jump gates there are, so I don't know how many different systems you can go to. But, um, like I said, only I mean, the galactic map uh, suggests that there's actually a quite a few uh, different systems you could go to. But, damn, it's just kind of tedious because it takes so much to be able to go around uh, because and it it feels like the game is balanced to uh, orbital mode because it actually doesn't take a lot of fuel to be able to change your orbit. No. Especially if you're patient. Yeah. Uh, and if you stock up on your food and water and just time your uh, orbits you could do a lot in orbital mode without expending a lot of fuel and it makes your station a lot less 
urgent to get up because you yeah. can buy fuel, but it gets expensive quickly because at least in the default settings for atmospheric mode, you burn a hell of a lot of fuel Yeah, to get anywhere. You can tweak the settings on world creation to try and help with that. You can reduce the amount of friction. You can reduce the amount of fuel it actually costs to fly around. And those can help, but, I mean, you can't reduce the friction to zero, because if you do, you bump anything, it's gone forever. Um, yeah, because it'll never stop. The, sh- the, the planet essentially has this uh, sphere of influence, like Kerbal Space Program. And anything that goes outside that sphere of influence, it's basically into the void. It's gone. Yeah. And there, and as far as I can tell, there's finite resources around each planet. I'm yeah, not, I don't think that actually regenerates. They don't, even when you use a warp gate to go and come back. Um, you can um, tweak the amount of resources in a system as well up so that you have more asteroids to mine. Um, but as far as I can yeah, tell, but they don't. You get to, but you get to a point, especially if you're in orbital mode, where things are bumping onto each other that, yeah, they just disintegrate. It turns into Kessler Syndrome. Yeah, you definitely don't get any respawn whenever you um, warp out and warp back. I don't know if the AI ships can sometimes carry cargo that's missing from a a station or a system or whatever. I have no clue. But um, the uh, the way the warp gates work, aside from just taking you to a map um, to choose, you know, where to go to and show you what you have and have not unlocked. Um. The ones by default that exist on the little maps, you can only fit smaller ships inside of them. And if your ship is even just a tiny smidge outside of what it indicates is the sort of ring where you can use it, it won't work. But it will still take your money. So if you use them, uh, the ones that are there already, it uses credits. Uh, the credits that you get for you know selling uh, materials, resources, completing missions, whatever. Um, so it uses those credits and it doesn't give them back to you if your ship is outside of the boundary and it doesn't give you a warning either saying, Hey, your ship's out of the boundary. You should probably put it back. Yeah. And the credits are very tedious to get, at least in the very beginning. I mean, I, because no, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I got a little farther than you. I don't know how much farther, but they were still tedious to get. Well, I think it's just the fact that, you know, everything feels so bare bones and I realize this is an early access game. This is essentially still an alpha, but this is also a five year game. You know, I I would think, uh, you know, there would be more here by now. I mean, whenever I saw that they completely changed the art style, I thought that they were further along than this. Yeah. But then opening up the game and seeing uh, the, uh, the Patreon uh, thermometer on it <laughs> and them talking about, you know, if we get another, you know, uh, what was it like $15 a month, uh, they'll be able to hire someone to do more models for this. It's like, Oh, the, the, I realize this is a passion project for someone. And that is a great thing. And I do appreciate that. However, you know, if, it feels like there's a certain expectation when you're selling something for 20 bucks that's been in development for five years. I mean, uh, people could only throw so much money at one space game blindly and uh, expect, you know, a, a, a 
an alpha after five years. And unfortunately, this is not uh, Star Citizen. Yep, I was about to say Star Citizen <laughs> already exists. Can't have two. So. I mean, it's not a bad game for what it is, what's there. Not at this price point. I think I bought it at like 75% off, so it was like five bucks. I think I paid $10 for it. I'm kind of wanting to go back to buy purchase history and find this game to find exist. Because I know I bought it at one point and refunded it because it wasn't working properly. And then I bought it again later on. Whenever uh, they fixed it. Uh, uh, hang on. I found it on my second purchase. It's wanting me to log in again for some reason, though. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't pay that much for it. I paid ten ninety nine for it in January fifth, two thousand seventeen. Uh, oh, hang on, no, I'm, nope. I'm just double checking this, da, da, da. and it's asking my authenticator. Uh, I paid eight eight bucks. Gotcha. Which I think that's a fair price for for. At least what it was at the time, because that's the thing is that, yeah, it, it it feels like it's gone backwards. It honestly does because it was a lot better. Yeah, well, that they, may they, just be this. Uh, well, that just may be the simple point that it seems like they're focused more on both atmospheric, but also uh, they're wanting to do bigger and badder ships, but they're not building up the smaller uh, front end of the game first. Yeah, they um they definitely gutted the better of the two modes and then dumped all their development energy and time into the worst of the two. Although I'm sure there's somebody out there who disagrees. This is one of those things that's kind of more subjective, well, but Well, I think I think we also may be the weirdos here in that we both at least have a marginal understanding of orbital command, uh, uh, orbital mechanics because we've played Kerbal Space Program. We are space enthusiasts. Yeah. So we're able to go into orbital mode and be able to at least get function fairly quickly and figuring out the, the nuances of the game and different, uh, the, uh, how the different tools present themselves. Able to actually play the orbital mode without pulling our hair out. So that may be uh, the fact that they're going towards the atmospheric mode as being the focus, at least for the time being. Not just because it's a lot easier to get ships to fly around and not kill each other, or kill themselves, I should say, uh, in a the atmospheric flight model, but also that it's a lot more accessible. So I do understand why they're doing it. It's just not fun for us because you know we kind of like the crazy orbital mechanics yeah agreed i will say overall this game committed sort of the biggest cardinal sin for me i got bored i got real bored and i mean everyone listening knows that i love these types of games in general but they have to collect resources and build stuff. Space Engineers, Factorio, Minecraft, um, I mean, uh, Planet Explorers, and on and on and, and on and on. I got so bored. 
within the first few hours of playing that I didn't want to play anymore for a while. I mean, if you bore, if you bore shrink in a game that has a mining laser, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a very fair assessment. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I paid $10 for it once. That was years ago. What's done is done. I would not be happy spending $10 on this today. Well, like I said, it was a lot better back in the day. This is one of those cases where I think early access has kind of uh, hurt them in the long run. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not willing to say, okay, this game is crap end of story. Because I do think it is an ongoing process. And I do think eventually it may end up being something decent. But, uh, yeah, it's just, eh, right now. Yeah. Totally fair. Um, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I, I do think that they're going in the wrong direction, uh, trying to focus on the, these bigger and badder ships when the, f- I gotta say the full experience. Uh, I mean, the first thing it tells you essentially is build a space station. Uh, and all the uh, help pop-ups. I think the uh, front-end experience, that new user experience, should be a lot more streamlined. Or or I should say, made a lot more fun. Because, yeah, you're told to sink essentially all your resources into this station, but not given a reason why. Until much later, whenever you figure out, oh, I need that station to f- fuel because, you know, uh, atmospheric mode is a... Uh, yeah, it's about as uh, fuel efficient as a 1970s Dodge, right? Right. So, yeah, it's just, oh, it, it feels like they need to sit down and have a severe think about what they want this game to be. Do they want it to be about space stations? Do they want it to be about spaceships? Do they want it to be about resource gathering? Or do they want to have it about trade? Because that's something else that they, they, kind of, they kind of try to dodge you towards is, oh, well, you don't have to collect resources. You could trade uh, resources between stations. But it's, uh, as someone that's actually enjoyed playing Euro Truck Simulator, mm-hmm. it's not fun in this because if you're playing in orbital mode, there's nothing in between you and uh, the other stations to worry about unless you, you know, you have to drop down into a lower orbit to you know, avoid uh, the ring st- system around the planet. But at the same time, you know, there's not enough challenge going on either. There's just, it's just kind of moving stuff without any real, nuance to it yeah it's just at best hey take this pile of junk over there yeah and at worst yeah yeah, just you like, the, yeah there's no character to it exactly yeah and, at, and uh, at worst it's like well i guess i'll just try and buy this thing and hope i can sell it for hire somewhere else because there's no tools that help you at least not that i found I actually actually there was there was a mouse over for uh on the buy price it would say what stations you could t- uh, send it to or take it to it's one of those things that they did not tell you. I just happened to move the mouse over it. Gotcha. Yeah, I barely did that. I mostly just focused on getting my own stuff. But. Yeah, which uh, also uh, feels like the fact that 
there's finite resources is missing the point uh, for this type of game because they're trying to make the game feel like space and space is immense and saying that you can mine out an entire asteroid field with a single ship is ludicrous. Yeah. I realize it's not accurate, but how about instead of just having things spawn in, once they get the planetary system back, if they bring it back, or if it's even gone, because like we said, it could be in the game, have it where in orbital mode every so often, you know, a large asteroid comes in and breaks up in the atmosphere of the planet, and that's how they replenish it. Yeah, maybe make it so it's off the uh, 2D plane, so it's like coming in above or below, so you don't have to worry about it randomly wiping out a station. Oh, that would be fun. But have some way to replenish supplies, because, you know, it's just... Space is very vast. And saying that, okay, well, you've run out of resources. You're in space. It, yeah, it makes space no sense filled to with asteroids every fucking where. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I don't know if I would say I recommend this game. Maybe if you get it really cheap, or if you super are into this type of thing, go for it. But I don't know if there's a price I could recommend this. It's like, hey, you could check, you should check this out. It might be worth your time. A dollar. If it's a dollar, it's worth a dollar. Uh, Maybe five if you like this uh, type of thing. I would say if they continue developing it, maybe five, but it's also depending on just the direction they go because right now, uh, it just feels like they're, they're focused for some reason on capital ships and I'm not sure why, but they're also not updating the game very often. The game is still in active development. I don't want to say, oh, this is a dead game. They're not developing anymore because they clearly are. It's just, it's a small development team. So they are putting on an update once every six to eight months. And they're talking about the next one being an overhaul on, well, for one, they are making it where it's going to be easier to build ships where they have a mirror tool now. But then they talk about having it where you're building bigger, bigger ships with a carrier. It's just, wow. I mean, a big ship uh, is just as boring as a small ship. It's just bigger. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, relatively short game club, I think, since there's no story to discuss or anything to really spoil. Uh, all gameplay. So, our game club... Well, uh, well if you could call it that. Well, all right. game mechanics. It does have those. Uh, well, uh, well, we didn't really talk about combat at all. Did you get uh, Did you get into many fights? Oh, and we didn't talk about the multiplayer. Oh, yeah, you're remember, right. That piece of shit. Remember? Yeah, where it glitched out and we got completely desynced. Yeah, every time we tried it. I mean, I yeah. did a little combat, but combat basically breaks down into, in the early game, fly around in circles so that the computer can't hit you because their aim sucks ass. And then a little bit later... Now you have turreted weapons, so you're fine. Yeah, we set up, I believe it was sandbox mode, uh, whenever we tried co-op. Yeah. And I just put turrets on my ship and 
kind of held back, turned them on auto, and let them uh, rain down death. Oh, which that would be a way to continuously get resources, assuming that you know it's not a infinite, or you know, it's not a finite number of enemy ships as well. Because oh, that would suck, you know, if there's just a few enemy ships. Yeah, and but, I have no idea if more of, spawn or not. But I think some of the missions do spawn ships. So, but it's just there's just very little here game system wise. There's kinetic weapons, there's lasers, and there's rockets. And that's it for weapons, is it there? Yeah. Not, you not can use the mining, mining laser, laser as a weapon. You can also ram, but that destroys your own ship, too. Yeah. Yeah, if they had some sort of, like, kinetic uh, 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 yeah, kinetic uh, battering ram that you could build onto your ship to make ramming actually viable, then maybe... That'd be fun. Ramming speed. Yeah. It just feels like this is a, a case of procedural generation does not make for fun content. No, it does not. Does not indeed. So, Game Club game for the month of December. Yeah, this, this one- is going to be a long one because of how things shake down. Our last two recording dates uh, for December are two eves, Christmas and New Year's Eve. And uh, sorry, Jared, but I have things I'd rather do than record on <laughs> Christmas and uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah, fair enough. Same here. Actually, maybe not on New Year's because I'll be at my in-laws and who knows. But I'm not be even wishing gonna... for death. Yeah, but I'm not even going to try and, and uh, record then. There's no way to do it, and, you know, I won't have my proper equipment and everything. It would sound like garbage. But, yeah, so we're going to... How's that different? It would sound like very faint, difficult-to-hear garbage instead of the usual loudness with which my nasally voice comes through. Oh, okay. That makes Um, a lot more sense. But, yeah, so for January, we're going to be actually, or for December, we're going to actually be doing the game club on January, Tuesday, January the 7th. So you have one, two, three, four, five weeks Uh, uh, uh. to play that. Um, And the game we're going to be playing is My Time at Portia. Or Portia? I think it's Portia, but it could be Portia. I think it's Portia as well, but uh, but it is a... uh, Xbox Game Pass game, so if you want to get into it cheap, there is the intro, but I did find that there is a deal going on with uh, Discord. They get three months worth for ten bucks. Oh, I have to do that. Yeah, if you buy into Discord Nitro for a month, they give you a three-month pass. I might uh, do that. Yeah, I might. I, would say I mean, I probably it. will. <laughs> but yeah, my time at Portia is a uh, third-person sort of farming, farming management game. Management uh, game. Well, actually, it's not even farming. It's uh, it's a collection building game. It's not farming. You're actually a blacksmith. Ah, I you can't. Was... You can farm, uh, but it's not the focus.
going to look at this just a teensy bit better. Or a teensy oh, bit more, the, in more detail. And the game is set in a post-apocalyptic world. But don't, when when you hear that, don't think Fallout. Think way po- post-apocalyptic. Like, society is already rebuilding, um, and it's not like a nuclear wasteland. Yeah, it's, uh, I would say, like, late 1800s technology Yes. Yeah. With uh, some anachronisms here and there. But, yeah. But, yeah, this is one of those games that's got sort of a farm or a home house management thing, building, crafting, decorating. But it also has the dungeon crawling aspect um, where you go out and you explore and can get resources and uh, fight enemies and that sort of thing. So, I'm looking forward to this, as long as it's not bad. Which I hope it's not. It's got a lot of positive reviews. Um, and this is my type of game that I enjoy playing. Uh, yeah, so. this is a very uh, Harvest Moon Stardew Valley-esque game, which oh, we're doing this at about the worst time possible because Stardew Valley just put out that new update, and I'm itching to play it, but no, no, being strong, being strong. Good. Good for you. You can do it. So yeah, my time at Portia. See you in first uh, of January for that one. Uh, we have one. Oh, you mean the seventh? Yes, January the seventh. <laughs> but we have one news topic this week, so we're gonna go ahead and knock that one out um, and move towards the ending portion of the show. Uh, but news topic: Electronic Arts is to create its in-game tutorial assistant. You said earlier, it's like gaming Clippy. Yeah, this is interesting. So this is a patent that uh, EA put out. A new patent filed by Electronic Arts. I'm reading directly from uh, Tech Raptor because they're one of the better sites out there right now. It indicates they're working on an adaptive in-game tutorial assistant to work across their games. The patent was filed by EA May 6th of this year. And it's just come to light finally now. In the abstract of the uh, patent, it states, embodies of the pot, uh, embodiments of the patent disclose provide a tutorial system that can aid a user in performing various in, uh, game commands in response to different game states in a virtual game environment. As the user plays the game, various game states may be encountered. A tutorial engine may, based on a current game state, Determine one or more game commands to be recommended by the user, or sorry, to the user, based on historical information of the user in the game state model, wherein the game state model maintains as associations between game states. Boy, they really like say in game state in this, don't they? Uh, in different segments of users. The user is recommended relevant game commands during the normal course of gameplay based on their own gameplay history on-game commands commonly performed by other users of the game application. So, Clippy, right? Clippy! This kind of makes me think of the Google Stadia system, whether it's like if you push the help button on their controller, it looks for stuff related to where you're at in the game based on Wait, wait, that actually made it to the launch? Oh, I don't think so, but I remember them talking (laughs) about that when they announced it. This sounds like that in a way. Uh, uh, basically, uh, the fantasy of what Stadia wanted to be versus, you know, the 
flop that it seems to become. Yeah. I think if EA pulls this off, or if the thing itself is is done in a way that's not super obtrusive and is easy to use, it'll probably do fine. And if it's not, then yeah, it'll be clippy all over again. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting because I think we could all agree once you get past a certain point of gaming, you do not need to be told to move forward, press the W key. To move backwards, press S. Definitely. Overall, I would say gaming has pretty standardized their controls for the most part. There are absurd... absurdities or uh, alterations here or there, but movement is pretty standard. Looking around is pretty standard. Shooting is fairly standard. It really depends on the model that the game is using. So, be able to craft a game where you don't have to worry about a tutorial section in the very beginning uh, to teach you very basic movement commands and get you actually into the story a little bit quicker is a very interesting prospect yeah however okay what's your butt we're dealing with electronic cards here oh yeah uh, so uh, you know there's that uh, that part of part of my cynicism is uh, creeping up and saying uh how long will they go before this assistant starts recommending oh well you know you could just buy a gun (laughs) (laughs) did you know that you can press x to reload oh my god i thought i was out of bullets forever no i was talking about recommending microtransactions uh to uh whatever your segment did you know you can just buy wink wink nudge nudge if you don't want to wait uh uh, 30 minutes for your respawn timer to take off uh, you can buy a, a, a quick res uh, uh, shake right now for only 500 EA points. Not going to lie. I think I kind of want a res shake right now. I don't know what it, what's in it, but I want one. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just that cynicism of me because EA has been the absolute worst when it comes to microtransactions to the point that they locked Darth fucking vader in a loot box okay yep so i think it's fair for me to have that little cynical part of my brain saying it's yay it's yay this this sounds kind of neat that you know it allows for a lot of uh, creative freedom but it's a yay it's a yay you fool <laughs> yeah fuck uh, yay yeah yeah that's the thing is that Fuck you for ruining this for us all. (laughs) Uh, And I just had to be the cynic here, huh? Yeah, I agree with you. 100%. I mean, we're both cynics. You just voiced it. I'm just the bigger one. (laughs) Yeah, I think that checks out. Um, Sounds like a fat joke now. Just the facts, man. (laughs) Uh, But, But, yeah, it's just... I mean, this is a really neat thing. If it worked out, or if it works out, because this is just a patent. That's the thing. We are talking about a patent that probably either won't see the light of day for years to come, if it ever sees the light of day. Because that's the thing, is that companies file patents all the time, throwing out ideas, 
just so that they have the technology patented, 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 <laughs> boy, that's a weird word to say, but just having it on lockdown. So if they work on it later, they can, or they could try to grab technology as it develops because they already had the patent on it. But yeah. it's getting more patent trollish than anything else. But hey, EA wouldn't be dicks like that, would they? Oh, they, of course they would. <sighs> I think it's a, a really clever idea to try to shake up uh, game uh, development. It's just I don't trust EA with this tool. Yeah. And also, part of me thinks back to those Clippy commercials. And I want uh, this assistant to be voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Even if it was terrible, I'd be all for it if it was voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> uh, Gilbert Gottfried yelling at you to buy a loot box. <laughs> yes, please. All right, all right, I'm sorry. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> I'm not yelling. This is just how I talk. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. <laughs> oh. Like I said, I'm of two minds for this. This is either going to be really great or really terrible if it comes to light of day. But hey, who knows if we'll ever see anything like it. I know there's a couple things for uh, Amazon smart speakers that are similar to this that you can ask uh, uh, for uh, help with. And I think other smart speakers have it as well or smart devices. But... There's nothing that's all-encompassing for a single publisher. So, yeah, it's interesting in the fact that it's going to be in-game if it ever comes out. But I just thought it was an interesting little thing that we found. Because, yeah. Any thoughts? No additional closing thoughts. Fuck EA. I don't trust them. I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, I, I completely turned you 180 on this, didn't I? What? What do you mean? I wasn't for this uh, specifically. Uh, I thought well, it was well, you interesting. Seemed, uh, well, you seemed a lot more warm to it. I don't know. I'm warm to the idea, but not EA. Fuck EA. Fuck them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that being our only news topic to cover today, let us go ahead and move on to Community Corner. Um... No emails, tweets. No tweets? Uh, none that I saw. Okay. We uh, decided kind of last minute that we were going to watch Hitman. The I believe it's from 2003 or 2004, Hitman. Uh, but we wound up just talking for the better part of two hours, and then I had to go to sleep because I had to go to work. And I assume you and Jim went and did other things too. So Yeah. We wound up uh, not watching that, so I guess maybe this coming week we can watch Hitman uh, if we don't wind up just bullshitting again. So yeah, sounds yeah, good we to do me. Hitman, uh, but even though we did fire off some other game ideas or ga- or game movie ideas, yeah, I downloaded uh, a couple, so I'm ready. I think next now time after, parties. indeed. I think next time after Hitman, we should do. Was it Final Fantasy VII Advent Children? Yeah. Because Jim has requested that like three weeks in a row now. So have it. Uh, and we will probably do that one. Not this week, but next week. I will say that 
Uh, it does have the most badass rendition of One Winged Angel. Out of uh, so, uh, Yeah. Uh, it has the rock guitar uh, cover of it. Gotcha. Uh, for those who don't know, that's uh, Sephiroth's theme, and uh, they brought electric guitar in. I'll I'll link it to Jared uh, so he can listen to it. Electric guitar makes lots of things better. But yeah, it, it is a, actually a very good movie. And I would say it, it probably is a candidate for one of the better, if not the best, uh, video game movies out there. I would ask why, but I don't want to have the movie sort of spoiled for me at all. I'm going to watch it for myself and decide how I feel about well, it. I'll just, I'll just say that it's a very good story overall. And, uh, it does pick up from Final Fantasy VII's main story, but it doesn't feel like you have to, uh, play the game in order to enjoy it. You won't uh, get some of the nuance to it, but it's overall, they treat it with respect. And I think that's a problem that many video games movies have is that they don't treat the source material with respect. So you end up with you a bull in charge. Yeah. Um. And I am shooting you something in Discord for okay. you to listen to Is while it? we do this. It's the Advent Children. There's no spoilers in it. It's just this uh, song. All right. I had to okay. uh, do a little bit of hunting for it. Nope. It's muted. I should probably unmute that. It sounds the same up until uh, about uh, 25, 30 seconds. Actually, closer to 40. Yes. <laughs> this sounds like a ballad, which I like. Like a a metal. Uh, am ballad. I going to add this? To, am I going to have to add this to the show notes now? You probably should. It's six minutes long. I'm not going to listen to the whole thing right now. I'm just kind of kind of skimming through it a little bit. But I very much like the sound of this. I'm adding it to one of my music playlists on YouTube. So there's at least that going for Advent Children, huh? Yeah. Which is good. But this should give you an idea of you know, what to expect. With It's basically Final Fantasy VII, but turned up to eleven, Which is uh, probably the wrong thing to say, because eleven was the MMO, and it's not an MMO. No. <laughs> so... Is that everything for this week? I believe that? so. So, uh, Discovery Q, since we have Tom. Yeah, well, I was going to say first, hey, Rage, can you tell them where they can send us stuff? Whoa, you can uh, send us stuff via the email, vglpodcast at gmail.com, or tweet us to us, or tweet them to us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. Send it to that little blue bird. And now, Discovery Q. Yes, now we go for the theme song. And I got something... Well, I admit, this is my second poll. I skipped ahead to this one because uh, the first one was terrible. So, Transport Fever 2. Electric Boogaloo. Nice. You got the uh, Discovery Cube pool before me. But I've already requested a review key, so we'll see if I get it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's a transport management 
game. I mean, you played uh, the first one, so uh, essentially bigger and better than the, the first one. Uh, it looks like, based on what I've been looking at, it's all of the stuff from the first Transport Fever, and then they've added new campaign and challenge modes. Uh, they've added Chinese uh, rail and uh, vehicles, um, and then they've also added new uh, sort of biome generation whenever you create a new map, like beaches and tropical zones and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to all of those things. Uh, also, it looks like they've incorporated some of the best mods into the game. Yeah, so, yeah, there's that. And it comes out in a week. Woo! So, you got one? Yeah, I'm going to post it now. I got distracted. Uh, this is called Battle Realms. And there's the link. Oh, I, think I, I think I just skipped over that because it looked uh, absolutely terrible. It looks... Weird. It looks very, like, 90s-esque. Yeah, I skipped over this. I, I was going to, but then I stopped and I read the description. It's, Battle Realms is a fantasy real-time strategy game inspired by the stories told in old kung fu movies in oriental mythology. Develop your tiny peasant village into a highly trained and deadly efficient clan of warriors who are ready to die with your name on their lips. So it looks very 90s in graphics and interface style, but it's just like the whole kung fu movies thing. I was like, huh, interesting. That has piqued my interest a tiny bit. But I couldn't tell you, you know, obviously without playing it, so. Well, I got an interesting one. And uh, actually kind of highlights something that we never really talked about. Uh, I got Tools Up, which oh, is... I just got that. Well, uh, well uh, since I skipped over the previous one, I guess I get this. Yeah. A... Uh, local co-op focused party uh, renovation game. But the reason why I'm highlighting this now is that they're talking about support remote play. And that's something that we never highlighted whenever Steam uh, released it. Was that Steam is now pushing pretty heavily couch co-op over internet to kind of make couch co-op a lot more uh, well attractive or couch co-op only game. So Interesting one. Uh, some people are saying it doesn't work well, but that may also be the fact that, yeah, it's connected to a remote computer, but uh, it looks interesting to say the least. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Overcooked. Yeah. And I skipped over the first Overcooked because it was local co-op only and I didn't really have anyone to play with. So, yeah. Right. So I got Grid. Um, we've talked about Grid on the show before as part of a news topic. And this is like the reboot or whatever of yeah, the Grid series. Uh-huh. Um, where that one of the big features is the new AI and Nemesis system, like inner race Nemesis yeah. system. And then like developing your racing team with more options than the previous one. I mean, I really like Grid. Um, it strikes a really good balance between sim racing and arcade stuff. Uh, yeah, it's getting absolutely hammered on reviews because they decided to make a very requested feature tied to Stadia. In case you're wondering why it has so low reviews right now. What What is that feature? Uh, endurance races. It's Stadia only. Oh, that's fucking stupid. I like yep. endurance races. Nope, uh, they tied it to Stadia. And, oh, and fuck they that. Tied, they tied an endurance race. Think about this. Endurance racing to a platform 
that has about the worst or the best chance, I guess I should say, of something going terribly wrong. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I got an interesting looking one. But, sorry to ruin Grid for you. Nah, you're maybe fine. They'll, maybe they'll smarten up later. I got Lost Ember. This looks kind of like an evil uh, Akami, almost. Uh, but not evil evil. I'm talking about uh, the character design on the main... Uh, the, on the playable character. Uh, explore the remains of a fallen world of, with from a fascinating perspective. Slip into the role of different animals and uncover the fate of an ancient world. I mean, this looks economy-ish. Only, uh, you know, updated. So, you know, economy uh, always struck me as one of those games that uh, it looks a little bit clunky to play nowadays based on modern, on modern standards. So it may be the same idea that we had with uh, 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 Shadow of the Colossus, where uh, it's a classic, but it just doesn't hold up that well for people that don't have the nostalgia for it. Yeah. So, yeah. I haven't played Okami in a long time. Mm-hmm. I remember liking it. Yeah. Um, do, <laughs> do you like Pokemon? Do you want to play them, but don't have access to a Nintendo console or for some reason an emulator? Well, have no fear and look no farther. It's Nexamon. Catch, evolve, and collect over 300 unique Nexamon. Assemble the ultimate Nexamon team to save your friends and save the world. Clash against legendary champions and become a hero in this epic journey. It actually looks like a pretty decent game. Um, just in art style. I have no idea how it would play. But it looks like kind of the middle ish Pokemon games like that came out in like the mid 2000s where there's some 3D aspects but it's there's still a lot of 2D stuff um kind of faking 3D on on the handheld there uh with the art style I mean overall I mean, that it, doesn't look bad yeah I was gonna say it doesn't look terrible just I think it's funny that it's just it's just a Pokemon ripoff in at least title but consider- and game but- mechanics yeah, but considering we don't really have anything like that for uh, a PC. Yeah. Uh, five. Nine, I'm I'm really tempted to just impulse buy this. I'm not with Christmas coming up, but I'm tempted. What if it's on Keymailer? I can always request a key. That would be. Well, fun. well I'm have. I had to dig a little deeper in my queue. I'm getting a lot of crap this week. I had one that was straight up porn. Nice. Like getting straight up porn games. All right, back to looking uh, at that I wish got, list. I got, uh, Saga uh, Scarlet Grace ambitions with the fate of the world uncertain. Follow the journey of Eupernia, Teria, and Bament, uh as they call upon their might and set out to carve a new future. I mean, it is a Square Enix game, so it's kind of fitting that we talk. That I'm currently listening to, yeah, you know, rock ballad, "Winning uh, One Winged Angel." But JRPG, uh, fairly well known uh, developer. Square Enix has had some problems with their PC ports, so you got to be careful with that. It doesn't look like anybody's really complaining all that much, but there's not that many views right now. Uh, it was originally a 
PlayStation Vita game, so a little bit older, but not terribly old. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, overall, it doesn't look like it's that bad right now, but there's only a handful of reviews. It looks like it... Did it just come out? Oh, no. Well, okay, this came out... Oh, no, this may be the original release date. Uh, yeah, that has to be the original release date because it says release date uh, August 1st, uh, 2018. That doesn't seem right to only have a handful of reviews. Gotcha. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, JRPG from uh, Square Enix. If it's a good, uh, port, then it's probably worthwhile to at least look at. Yeah. So, my next one is a, uh, warn, like a stay away, just I'm highlighting it because it's kind of, it's stupid. Oh, Hentai Nazi. Why do you playing... make me put this in the show notes? <laughs> we can delete it. I can just mention it. We can delete it. If someone's really interested, they can look it up. Um, but yeah, Hentai Nazi. You're uh, a hentai girl who's mostly naked going to kill Nazis and Hitler in a church. That's, I'm pretty sure I've seen this character model before. That's There's been quite a few hentai games I've seen here recently. It's like hentai something. Yeah. Well, um, and I'm pretty sure most of them are from this uh, developer because take a look at their uh, history. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Um, And then the last two games of my queue, one of them is a, is a game that does, it does not support the English language. And then the other one is a uh, puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle game. So, well, there's nothing wrong with the jigsaw puzzle game, but yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my cue. Um, where are you at? In your uh, queue? I have a, I have two remaining after this one. Well, I got. Uh, I, okay, this is a weakness of mine. I'm going to post it anyway. Ultimate Fishing Simulator VR. <laughs> nice. I, I have a weakness for fishing games. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the fact that it's a lot easier to go out and uh, fish in, uh, in a video game and not have to spend an absurd amount of money on gear. Because, yeah. But also, you know, uh, easier to go to exotic locations. Uh, this game supports VR, but it does not require a VR headset. So... Uh, the VR is uh, optional on this. They do have a fair amount of DLC for it already with different locations, but it's a uh, fishing simulator game, and it looks like it's getting fairly decent reviews overall. Looks like uh, some people are saying it's fidgety with only a handful of techniques, but eh, it's a $30 game, so it's in that double A price range. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not bad overall. Take a look at my last two. Ooh, that's interesting. <coughs> As I cough real quick. What did you get, sir? Well, right now I got, uh, got a drink, but... I got... Mo... Moistry? A 2D Metroidvania uh, game <coughs> uh, is a pixel art side-scrolling action platformer lead both through mind-bending puzzles using special abilities, bizarre enemies, threatening traps, 
and genius uh, level design awaits. It looks very Metroidvania-ish, at least, but they're calling it Puzzle Platformer, which I also, just based on screenshots, uh, yeah, look very similar. Looks very impressive overall, and looks like it's very fast-paced. That could be uh, uh, painful if you're not good at it. But it looks like they have a very good enemy variety and a very nice aesthetic overall. Looks interesting, huh? It worth does, the, indeed. Worth the 15 bucks. Which, uh, hang on. Who did that? I'm looking at their other games. My last one, uh, early access survival game. That's a nope. nope I see. Nope, nope, nope. Fair enough. I'm just seeing what the other one, uh, looks like it's the developer's first game and, uh, the publisher is at least on Steam as well. So, yeah. Cool. But yeah, early access, uh, uh multiplayer focused survival game. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So I had four, eh, really more three, and you had six. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Which, considering I had some very uh, bad ones, you know, that's kind of uh, you know, a surprise for me, actually. Yeah. So, Rage, hit them with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on YouTube, Gaming with uh, Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. Or if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can find me, Caffeine Rage, there as well. And you've been gaming psychologist you can find me on twitter at jma4707 i skipped youtube you can find me over there by searching for gaming psychologist and you can be my friend on steam by sending a friend request to jr34707 and if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from the password for this week is sauerkraut i don't mm, like sauerkraut sauerkraut uh, i don't really care for it either but i haven't tried it in ages yeah, I don't. I don't really like uh, that. That was just that was one of the random words off my list. Because honestly, Celestial Command was didn't really inspire me to have a word for it, unless it was Snorfest. But yeah, sauerkraut. It sounds a lot uh, kinder to it. Uh, but if you was to be kind to us once again, you could send us some stuff. VGL podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, or gaming related topics, or just tweet them to us, VGL podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more, patreon.com slash VGL podcast. And if you wish to find the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff, you can find it over at the Podbean, VGL podcast.podbean.com. But we are also on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. You can find his work over at incomputech.com and. As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. See you next time. Bye bye.